It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The first half of the season saw a new hero every night for the Cincinnati Reds, but there were a few heroes who had recurring roles throughout. We'll tell you who the best Reds were for the first half of the 2023 season on today's Locked On Reds. You are Locked On Reds, your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Reds. Thanks for making Locked On Reds your first listen of the day. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, and we are free and available on all podcasting platforms. We are your team every day. I'm Stephen Offenbaker, and he's Jeff Carr, and we are diehard baseball fans. We have a passion for the Cincinnati Reds. We have taken our love of the game and our passion for baseball, and we have turned that passion into information for you. We want to thank those of you that listen every day. If you are an everydayer, keep hitting us up in the comment sections here on YouTube. Uh, keep reaching out to us on Twitter. We love talking baseball, and we love talking baseball with you. You can also jump into the Discord server. Uh, the link for that is in the description of the episode you are listening to right now join us and talk a little baseball on today's podcast we are going to be talking mvps that's both the most valuable position player and the most valuable pitcher and with the all-star game tonight jeff and i are going to look back at our favorite all-star game memories before we get into any of that i want to tell you that this episode is brought to you in part by game time download the game time app create an account and use the code locked on MLB for $20 off your first purchase. Last minute tickets, lowest prices guaranteed. All right, Jeff, let's start with the most valuable player position player. And we'll work our way through that. Cause I think you and I are going to have some different picks along the way, which uh, you know, that doesn't always happen, but I think that's how it's going to shake out today. I'm going to go ahead and go first since I'm yapping already. Uh, I'm going to make my pick for position player, uh, most valuable position player of the first half. And I'm going to go with maybe you're surprised. Maybe you're not Matt McClain. And I know he hasn't been on the team the whole first half, but for me, he's the guy that changed the energy with his arrival. When Matt McLean was called up from the minor leagues, it made it clear. It signaled to all of us that Nick Craw wasn't messing around. He wasn't going to play service time games. He wasn't going to keep people from being promoted if he thought they were ready. And then he promotes Matt McLean, and Matt McLean just delivers very quickly, becomes National League Player of the Week. On the season, and I used the 50 games that Matt McLean has appeared in to be my cutoff as far as the statistical categories I'm going to talk about. But Matt McLean leads the team with 50 games or more played in OPS plus with 129. Uh, he's second on amongst position players in war with 2.0 in just 50 games. He's a two war guy. He only tails TJ Friedel by two tenths of a point in war. He's smooth as silk defensively. If you've watched him play shortstop yep. TV or live in person, this guy makes it look easy. And I know it's not that easy, but he just makes it look so darn smooth. So for all of those reasons, I think he is the most valuable player of the first half because I think everybody else started to feed off of him. And then as they added guys in and, and other players started to get hot, you know, the whole energy around the team changed. But he was really the, the catalyst. He was the one 
that that sparked this this turnaround where we went from being a kind of unexciting small ball team to being a legit contender. And it all started that day in Colorado when Matt McClain was called up to the big leagues. I feel like too, he was really challenged early out of the gate. Like they're like, we're going to bring up this rookie and we're going to bat him second. You're like, Whoa, whoa, hang on there. What, 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 what's this? And he has been up to the task. I mean, kind of like you said, he is absolutely kicking butt. He's hitting 300. I mean, out of the second spot, his very first taste of major league baseball. And really when you break it down as well, I think something that's very impressive about Matt McClain is the fact that his splits of like, you know, hitting a fastball versus hitting like a breaking ball really isn't that much different. In fact, at some points during this year, when I've been looking at baseball savant on Matt McClain, uh, his breaking ball batting average has actually been better than against fastball. So he has really shown the ability to adapt as the season comes to him. And every time it feels like, cause like, you know, he'll go through like two or three or four game stretch where might get one hit, might get no hits. And you're thinking, oh, he, is he going to into a slump? Is this going to be his his valley? Are we really going to see him crater? His 300 batting average tells you all you need to know about those little mini slumps because he turns them around like that. No, you're you're absolutely right. I think that I think the fun thing too is just for me, you know, having been able to talk to him last year while he was still down in Chattanooga, yeah. and have him tell me all the things that he was going to do, and 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 tell me all the things he was trying to accomplish, and then to to watch him do it, to watch him to deliver on all of those things, it's really been it's been exciting for me. It's it's been yeah. so much fun to watch, and I watch it through that little bit extra having talked to him about it before he did any of these things. Uh, I, I just think it's, I think it's great how he's executed his plan and achieved these dreams and is chasing these goals and, and seems to be immune to being deterred from anything that he wants to do. Well, in true, this year is much better than last year's fashion. I have a different answer for you as to who the best player for the Reds was in the first half of the season. And yes, I know we say first half in quotation marks. It's been more than uh, half the season has been 91 games, not 81 games. So yes, we understand that part. But I'm picking Spencer Steer. Now, and, and by the way, I, I picked Spencer Steer with this. I mentioned... It's better than last year. Do you remember who our first half MVP was last year? I don't. It was that bad. Play Chris Oakey. It was, it, he was close. Uh, it was by default, Kyle Farmer. Like we couldn't even come up with an argument. Right. Like it was, it was okay. Kyle Farmer. Yeah. We have many players here to choose from in this first half. And Spencer Steer is my guy. He leads the team in home runs. He's second in RBIs right behind Rake Fraley. He's immune to pitching splits and he can play everywhere. Like, I mean, they moved him to left field and he hadn't played there really, except for like a couple of times in the minor leagues. And it was like an old hat form. He knows exactly what he's doing out in left field. And I mentioned the Reds have played 91 games so far. He's only missed three of them. He has 88 games played. I very much love that fact. And then I even got a little bit deeper and I looked at how he does with runners on base with runners on base. He has an OPS of nine thirty four. plus this isn't a reason that he's an MVP, but it's like one of those little cherries on top. It's got nine steals. We forget. I mean, people forget Steve that Spencer steers fast. So he adds that 
on to the fact that he's got a great batter's eye. He's got a fantastic bat. He's got solid defense wherever you put him. Really picked up on first base very well. Kind of inserted his name into the conversation of, is he going to be the first baseman of the future? Um, of course, CES is going to have a lot to say about that as well. But still, I look at this and I say that Spencer Steer for me, and sure, you could you can pick a lot of different guys on this team. But for me, on the hitting side of things, Spencer Steer is the MVP. You know, with Spencer Steer, I mean, he has really exceeded every expectation I had for him heading into the 2023 season. Uh, you know, we thought he was going to be good and you did your proclamations well before the season started about it being the year of steer and all the rhymy things <laughs> that you did. God help us. But he's absolutely delivered. And, you know, they broke camp pretty much telling Spencer steer he was going to be the third baseman. And then all of a sudden he wasn't. Now he's the first baseman. And then all of a sudden, well, hey, we need to get other guys in the lineup. He volunteers to play someplace at the major league level that he's never played anywhere else. Uh, he has really demonstrated himself to be a true team guy. And the fact that he can play all of those positions while not having any offensive fall off. Uh, sometimes we see that, right? And people question, oh, is it impacting his batting because he has to learn a new position? Is it impacting what he's able to do because he can't exclusively focus on his hitting, et cetera, et cetera. We haven't seen that with him. Uh, I've been impressed with how he's adjusted to, to some of these situations. You know, we talked about this, I think, last week where uh, him playing in the outfield, are there times that he has made some bad routes or made an error? You know, he did that just most recently in Milwaukee, running that bad route on the Christian Yelich double air quotes. But... <laughs> For the most part, he's looked like he belongs out there. He's made some great plays, hugging the line, running into the corners, playing the ricochets. So, you know, I think, you know, it could be a coin flip, Jeff. I don't know that there's a right answer here uh, when you're picking amongst these young, talented players. And you notice the correlation here, right? You also talked to Spencer Steer last year as well, before he got, in fact, like I, right before I he got coming. called up. I am the common denominator. If you Are you want, the MVP? I am no, the MVP. No, I am. Because <laughs> if you want to get promoted from the minor leagues, this is why CES hasn't been promoted. CES hasn't done a lefty in the bullpen with me. I should probably yeah, reach out and make that happen so we can get him on up to Cincinnati because both of those guys waiting for. promoted. That's figured right. figured it out. So, but no, I mean, they've been they, – they're both and, – and, you know, you, you bring that up. When I talked with Spencer Steer – he said a lot of things that we've seen come to fruition here at the major league level. He talked about, you know, liking the challenge of playing multiple positions and moving around and that he didn't care where he played as long as he played. He it didn't matter to him where on the field he was. He just wanted to be on the field. And, and he's demonstrated that, you know, both Matt McClain and Spencer Steer have backed up their talk. They've 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 delivered. And I think that more than anything else is just something to be really excited about with these guys. It really is. And, and look, you can make an argument for TJ Friedel. You can make an argument for Ellie De La Cruz. You can make an argument for Jake Fraley. There's so many dudes on this team, and that's the reason they're in this position. But it's not all just hitting, although the hitting has been the biggest factor. There have been a couple of pitchers that have really led this team. And as to who we're going to narrow it down for uh, best pitcher of the first half, well, we'll tell you that here in just a moment. 
Today's episode is brought to you in part by Game Time. You can get the best deals on last second tickets with Game Time. They've got the Game Time guarantee that if you find tickets in the same section, the same row, for a cheaper price on a different app, they'll credit you 110% of the difference. That is how confident they are and how confident they want you to be in their pricing. Plus, they are the best way to get to Great American Ballpark on a last-second basis. They've got amazing ticket deals. If you look at this upcoming series with the Brewers, there are some interesting offers there. Check them out today. They've got the flash deals. It's something that usually Steve and I try to go to is that we, you know, we go down to the banks, we get our parking spot, and then we get on the Game Time app and try and find us some tickets. Game Time's going to help you find last-second tickets with the best price guarantee. Check them out today. Set up your profile on the Game Time app and use promo code LOCKEDONMLB for $20 off your first purchase. Last second tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. That's the Game Time app. Remember that if you can't be at the ballpark, you can catch every pitch of the Reds' hometown broadcast with SiriusXM. On the SXM app, just search the word Reds. And thanks as always for making Lockdown Reds your first listen every day. Every day is coming up tomorrow. I'm going to welcome Chuck Freeman from Lockdown Brewers on for a crossover, and he's going to tell us why Ellie De La Cruz is his son's favorite player right now. Uh, but we're going to get back to looking at this first half for the Cincinnati Reds, and we're going to look at most valuable pitchers for the year we can't call it Cy Young Cy Young didn't pitch for the Reds so the the Jose Rijo award uh the Jose Rijo memorial uh award I I like that he's not dead (laughs) no that's not memorial yeah that's the wrong word Jose Rijo first half of the year badass pitcher award that's what we're gonna call it and I'm gonna start it off this time I'm gonna pick the man who has stabilized the most problematic area on this team. Yes, the starting rotation has been god-awful. Just look at guys like Luis Sessa and Connor Overton and a whole cast of characters that, honestly, look, I mean, Brett Kennedy, for everything that he brought to the table, that was okay. I don't think we're going to get all excited about his start and remember it for years and years to come. The point being, this has been a very crazy position group. Andrew Rabbit has brought stability and has brought peace and prosperity to my new empire in this starting rotation for the Cincinnati Reds. He's got a 2.38 ERA. We know this. 48 strikeouts to 14 walks. We know this. Five of his seven starts, Steve, have been quality or better. In fact, one of the two that weren't quality starts was five and two-thirds of shutout baseball. So if you got one more out, it'd be six of seven are quality starts or better. I absolutely love everything I've seen from Andrew Abbott. And the biggest thing for me, and the the question will be, and this is uh, something that we will talk about a little bit uh, coming up into this series this weekend as the Reds get back from the All-Star break, is how does he bounce back from his worst start of the season so far? But I really feel like when you watch Andrew Abbott's game. There's not really that big a question mark surrounding him. Like, think about Hunter Green, we've said he needs a third pitch. Uh, Graham Ashcraft, he needs to figure out the mental aspect of the game. 
Nick Lodolo, little bit of a third pitch thing, you know, something like that, but probably the most polished of the three guys. Andrew Abbott came in here and looked like Nick Lodolo out of the gate and maybe even a little bit better because he's got a four pitch mix that he really does a good job. I know he mains the fastball, but he does a good job of mixing the three secondary pitches so that a hitter can't really catch on to what he's doing. I think because of the situation that he is in, because of the position group that he pitch that he plays with and, and the problematicness that they've been so far this season, he is my best pitcher for the Reds in the first half. Uh, he he's definitely the best starting pitcher. Uh, there's, there's no argument against that. Listen, when he arrived on the scene, uh, his biggest struggle was simply learning how to attack major league hitters. And I think that uh, we saw some increased walks from him as he figured out, you know, how to jump back and forth on the edges, how to, to get his stuff over and pitch the way he wants to pitch. And then, you know, obviously I I love those interviews with his dad. I know every time we talk about him, (laughs) I come back to those interviews with his dad, breaking down how he's going to fix him in between starts. And I'm like, Derek Johnson's got some competition from uh, Mr. Abbott there, but Andrew Abbott's really done a good job of once he's figured that out, he he's really, you know, every time I think we've seen him kind of hit, okay, this is the best that he could be. He would come out the next time and have a better start. He, he mm-hmm. really looks like he's the real deal. Now we've seen guys debut or we've seen guys join the Reds rotation and have an amazing run of three or four starts. You know, Connor Overton was in the whole pitching conversation for two seasons because he had four good starts in May. You know what I mean? Like that, that happens here sometimes. And now that we're into, you know, two months worth of starts, you know, heading into his eighth start, like you said, five of seven being quality starts. uh, It really makes me optimistic when you start to think about what this rotation begins to look like as we get closer and closer and closer to August. And, you know, I don't know who's the number one pitcher anymore. Is it is it Andrew Abbott? Is he is he the first guy? Uh, I'm going to assume that when Hunter Green comes back, he's like ace pitcher number one. But I mean, you know, when when they handed him that title over Nick Lodolo in the offseason, I said I thought it was wrong. And I'll tell you this right now. If they come back and he is considered ace number one guy, I think they might be wrong. And it's not Lodolo. It's Andrew Abbott. Andrew Abbott has just been so phenomenal. I look forward to seeing him develop. And it's, it's the same way with most of the rookies and all of, I mean, all of the rookies on this team is that I look forward to what they're going to bring to the table each and every day. Because like you said, like he finds a new gear because his first two starts, he didn't have the amazing strikeout numbers that we've been seeing. It's just how much better in the strikeout category that his last five starts have been that have vaulted his K per nine up over 10. It's, it's so phenomenal to see what he's going to do. And whenever you hear post-game interviews of him, I know we always talk a lot about his dad, but post-game interviews with him, he is very smart about how he breaks down the game. So he's just, he's really the entire package for me there on the mound. Yeah, now we're going to do a little bit of a role reversal here, Jeff, because I'm going to tell you my pick, and I'm picking your guy. I, I, I'm actually pretty shocked that we're not in agreement here because I just assumed this was going to be your guy. But I'm taking Alexis Diaz as the most valuable pitcher of the first half because whenever the Reds needed a door slammed, whenever the Reds needed to, to set an attitude, they went to Alexis Diaz 41 times, in fact. 
they went to Alexis Diaz. Pitched in 41 games in the first half. Uh, 40 innings pitched. 26 saves, Jeff. 26 saves. That leads the National League, if I'm correct in that. Leads the National League with 26 saves. 61 strikeouts. 19 walks. And I think that 19 walks is higher. I think he's going to improve upon that in the second half. I think he's going to cut that, that strikeout to walks ratio even more ERA of 2.03. You know, I mean, I don't focus in on that a lot. Here's, here's the statistic leads the entire team in war with 2.4 in the first. How's it closer do that? How's it closer do that? He's a 2.4 war guy in 41 games this season. Uh, he, he's going to get, I, I think he could get 3.5 for war before it's all said and done. If he keeps doing what he's been doing. I, I feel like, and, and I was thinking about this because yes, obviously I love Alexis Diaz, but it, it was just the positional scarcity for me for Andrew Abbott. But yeah, I was really close to saying Diaz as well. I said before the season, bold prediction that Alexis Diaz would save 40 games. Now I'm thinking I was too low. He mm -hmm. might go 45. Like he has been so phenomenal. And here recently there's almost been a second wind, if you will, because I feel like he went through a period where it looked like he was tired. It looked like, you know, he was not necessarily pulling his pitches, but he was leaving them out, you know, leaving them outside on the arming on the arm side of things whenever he was throwing his fastball, especially. And so he had to rely on his slider to get into the zone and guys were starting to hit that a little bit. So I feel like he really bounced back here with his last outing in Milwaukee. And we heard Jeff Brantley talk about it. We heard uh, Chris Welsh talk about, you know, it looks like he was getting much better extension and, and, and the follow through on his pitches. So that was very good to see, but Alexis Diaz has just been absolutely ridiculous. I mean, you start to break down. He he's a fun guy. If you ever just really want to jump into baseball savant and really dig deep on some of the peripheral numbers on him, he is so highly ranked in everything. I mean, strikeout percentage, whiff rate, walk rate, like all of this different. Well, the walk rates gotten a little bit, mm, so, uh, you know, here recently, but still the, the strikeout rate and even the, uh, the limiting hard contact, he's just so fantastic at doing all of that. And he does it with two pitches. He does it with his fastball and he does it with the slider and the slider. I mean, that pitch for me. And I remember when he was first up last year in the big leagues, this fastball that as, as it was advertised, do you remember the advertisement on it was not even Alexis Diaz knows where it goes, but that slider for me is his best pitch because he can drop that in low in the zone right underneath a bat. And just like I was joking yesterday, Jesse Winker's still trying to figure out where that thing went. <laughs> and, and, you know, I think that he has an impact on the rest of the bullpen where I, I think he helps fire everybody else up. I think you know, he leads by example. And, and I think that's part of why we've seen such uh you know, uh, above, above our expectation performance from the bullpen in general. I think it starts with Alexis Diaz. It sets the tone. It, it really gets everybody else going. I will say this too. Um, you know, you'd be surprised to learn that, you know, I took a, I took a pretty good beating online with my Alexis Diaz take that he shouldn't pitch in the all-star game. Uh, I, I heard about that a lot. And uh, even our buddy Mo Edgar disagreed with my take on that. And, you know, when I was when I was answering Mo back on that, I basically said, you know, Having watched how David Bell handled the use of Alexis Diaz heading in through that final week, 
I feel like they managed him better. He got a little bit extra rest. To your point, we saw him looking better there in that last outing. Mm -hmm. So I think I'm okay now with him pitching tonight for one inning only. A three-pitch inning is what I want from Alexis Diaz <laughs> tonight so that he can get his all-star dream to come true and then rest his arm. I'd love to see him against Shohei Otani. I don't know if Otani's still going to be in the game at that point, but yeah, I, I think it's going to be phenomenal, though. But look, it's it just goes to show you that there's a couple of really awesome arms that the Reds have to work with when it comes to this pitching staff. And once we get some dudes back from injury, this pitching staff is going to be phenomenal. The Reds are not their final form right now. Nope, they are not. But listen, I mentioned the All-Star game, and with the National League All-Stars taking on the American League All-Stars tonight in Seattle, uh, I thought it would be a fun exercise, Jeff, for you and I to look back on our favorite All-Star memories, and we're going to do that coming up next. Today's episode is brought to you in part by BetterHelp. Whether you're dealing with decisions centered around your career or your relationships or pretty much anything else, therapy helps you stay connected to what you really want while you navigate life so that you can move forward with confidence and excitement. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. You just fill out a brief questionnaire and you get matched with a licensed therapist. And you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge, just in case you're not clicking or you're not feeling like you've got the right match. Let therapy be your map with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LockedOnMLB today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash LockedOnMLB. Remember, if you can't be at the ballpark when the Reds are playing, you can catch every pitch of the hometown broadcast with SiriusXM on the SXM app. Just download the app and search the word Reds. You can also follow the podcast on all platforms, including right here on YouTube. Join our Discord community. The link is in the description of the episode. And if you want even more access, you can join subtext by texting I'm in to 513 597-0944 and get all of the Reds uh, trade rumors and you know roster rumors directly from Jeff sent right to your phone. All right, let's talk some all-star memories and I'm going to put this on you right now. It can't be Todd Frazier. <laughs> he can't be the memory that we're going to talk about uh, because there's more to the all-star game than Todd Frazier winning the home run derby, but there's a lot of fun all-star memories. Some of them in Cincinnati and involving the Reds, some of them not. I think we probably have time to get a couple in each here, Jeff. So I'm going to start with one that sticks in my mind. And it's, it's just really odd that it, for all these years, it is stuck in my mind so much, but it took place in 1989 at Wrigley field during the all-star game. Daryl strawberry was playing right field. A ball gets all the way to the Ivy and Daryl strawberry picks this ball up on the track in right field and threw it to home plate on the fly. It didn't bounce. <laughs> and I remember being, you know, 11 year old me, 10 year old me at the time thinking that is the greatest throw I've ever seen in my life. And it, it happened in an all-star game and it just, it sticks with me. Is he, is he like on the, the like all time, like what if team? Like, I feel like oh, yeah. Daryl Strawberry, I, re I remember seeing him in the playoffs, like in the 90s and stuff like that. And that's all any announcer ever said was like, man, this guy did not pan out to be the guy that we thought he was going to be. And a lot of it doesn't have to do with what happened on the field to him. But Personal struggles got him. 
Yeah, that, that, that was that was a bummer. I, I would have loved to have gotten to see him in his heyday because going back and looking at some of the numbers and like you said, like seeing some of those highlights and things like that are just like, wow, dude was absolutely phenomenal. One of the other things that jumps out to me, Jeff, and, and this one does take place at the 2015 All-Star Game in Cincinnati, but not in the game. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't remember if you were at just the Derby or if you were at the game too, but before the game, they did the franchise four where they brought, they announced mm. the four greatest living players for each of the franchises. And then they did a major league baseball one. That was the four greatest living players mm. right then that were still around. And in that bunch was Willie Mays, Johnny bench, Sandy Koufax. And there's a fourth one that's it's totally escaping me and I'm going to feel bad now, but, they did that announcement and then it was time for the ceremonial first pitch and Johnny bitch grabs a catcher's mitt and goes to home plate and Sandy Koufax goes to the mound. And I got to see Sandy Koufax throw a pitch to Johnny bench. And I don't <laughs> care if both of them were a hundred years old. It was amazing. Yeah, that no, I, I wish I went to the all-star game, but I did get the chance to go to the home run derby there, but I thought that was a great idea, and and I think it just goes to the idea of all-star games. Like, there needs to be more of that. There needs to be celebrating history, celebrating the future. Like, the future game, the futures game just gets completely hidden during the weekend while games are still going on, and nobody really cares about it because it gets played while games are still happening. Like, th there's a lot of what all-star, what the all-star break should be that I feel like Major League Baseball misses on, but they got that right. The the franchise for the all-time for that was something that was that was, that was pretty cool to see the way I saw it on television. Um, I got a couple. The, the first one, and it's funny because you say favorite memories, you're probably thinking, oh, this was this amazing moment, and it's just, a, it's just so much fun. It's something to grasp on. I don't know why, but the – the first thing anyone ever asked me, what's your first all-star memory? What's the thing that's stuck in your mind when you think all-star game? Do you know what it is? What is it, Jeff? 2002. When the game was in Milwaukee. Oh, no. And when the game had to be cut short. Because they ran out of players. Because they ran out of players that had, they just played too much. We went to the bench. We brought everybody in. There's nobody left to pitch in the bullpen. And Bud Selig is standing in the stands going. Like, and don't get me wrong. I remember moments in the game. I remember Torrey Hunter robbing Barry Bonds of a home run. That was phenomenal. But you just, you, that's the first thing that sticks in my mind. And it's like, is that the worst professional sporting event in the history of professional sports it could but, be and i think i think it lacked a little creativity uh you know a lot of yeah. people said at the time they should have had a home run derby to decide the game yeah. they should have like had guys go up and take hacks i i mean there's a lot of things that could have been handled better than him just going well, i don't know yeah like that's <laughs> like, all right, let me appear inside the uh, car household here recently. The other day, water decided to leak from my dishwasher. And I did the bud ceiling like, I don't know, what am I supposed <laughs> to do with this? Like, that's not something that the commissioner of baseball should ever do. And I just feel like that's the moment when we all realize, you know what? 
it's just a fun game. Let's just have some fun with it. Now, I do remember, you know, 2015, I remember Aroldis Chapman coming in out of the bullpen and how amazing that was. I remember, okay, so we can't do Todd Frazier in the Home Run Derby, but I remember my experience around the Home Run Derby, getting to meet all these different fans from all these different teams. And, you know, I met people from Seattle that came in. I met people from uh, Texas that came in to root for Prince Fielder because, yeah, Prince Fielder was still a thing for the Rangers back then. And just all this difference. I think that is the best part about the All-Star game is that you bring everyone together. And it's all in an environment that, I don't know. I mean, you still got your Red Sox and Yankees fans. You still got your Cubs and Cardinals and all this other stuff. But for the most part, nobody's really feeling contentious at the time with the other fan bases. We're all just kind of there to watch the best ball players for the first half of that season just do some awesome things out on the field. So I think for me, that's that's probably why 2002, even though I'm the optimistic dude, I'm always the dude that's you know happy about stuff like it's so weird that my favorite or the most prominent, we'll call it that the most prominent all-star memory that I have is of the one that didn't end. <laughs> well, Jeff, that's definitely a surprise. I had no idea. That's the direction <laughs> you were to go that your favorite all-star memory is bud Selig. All right. We're going to wrap it up right there before we get out of here. Don't forget that you can catch every pitch of the Reds hometown broadcast with Sirius XM on the SXM app. Just download the app and search the word Reds. That'll do it for us here today. Thanks as always for making Lockdown Reds your first listen every day. Every day is coming up tomorrow on the show. Chuck Freeman from Lockdown Brewers tells me why his son's favorite new player is Ellie De La Cruz. Make sure you join us for that. Up until then, Steve, what can people expect from you and me? Well, we're going to be watching a little all-star baseball. We're going to be monitoring the uh, transactions in the minor leagues. We're going to be starting to follow trade talk and rumors. And we're going to bring all that information back right here to keep everyone locked on Reds every single day. So this all-star game needs to be really, really good so I can get a new memory and forget that other one. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.